Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. ...to our current situation. It's an amazing thing about the Bible, a Bible that was written over the time span of about 1,500 years finished about 2,000 years ago, uh, written by 40 different authors and a whole library of 66 different books. And yet, how many know the Bible can still speak to us in our lives today, in 2019, can still give us direction and understanding for our church and for what he's going to do? Amen. I believe tonight that, uh, that God moves when we will set the stage for him. We see this in the scripture we're about to read in Exodus chapter 36. And if you know the story of the book of Exodus, you know that uh, God has rescued his people out of Egypt. He has, by the precious blood of the lamb, he has passed over them and caused them to be set free from the bondage that they were in to Pharaoh and to Egypt. He had passed them through the Red Sea and brought them out into into the wilderness to worship him there. And in the wilderness, God began to give instructions to Moses. Uh, These are going to be a people that are called and set apart for God's glory. A new nation that had formed for the glory of God. A people that are called by his name. Uh, And that was the beginning of the Jewish nation as we know it even to this day so many years later and in the scripture in the as you read through exodus and into leviticus and numbers and deuteronomy what is typically known by the jews as the torah the first five books of the bible the books of moses what you will discover is that most of these books are very detailed instructions that's why they're hard to read for us they're very detailed god gives detailed instructions to Moses, to Aaron, and to those who are following about how he wants his people to live, and specifically how he wants to build his tabernacle. And the tabernacle was essentially a large tent. It was a meeting place. It was a place that was very special. It was a place where God would come down to meet with his people, and where his people would come in to meet with God. It was a meeting place. And the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the tabernacle that God gave to his people, the Jews, is a very interesting representation of the church. The tabernacle of the Old Testament is kind of like the church of the New Testament. Isn't it true tonight that when we come to church, that's what we're also doing? God comes down to meet with us. And we make the effort to come in and meet with God. 
But here's what I want to tell you tonight, and here's the thrust of my message. I'm not going to preach long tonight since we spent some time uh, going over that site. The thrust of my message is this, that before God could meet with his people, somebody had to build it. Somebody had to follow the instructions. Somebody had to listen to God and obey, and somebody had to give. And that's what we see in our scripture, and I want you to pay attention quickly this evening. Exodus chapter 36, beginning with verse 1. The Lord has gifted Bezalel, Oholiab, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in the building, the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and who were eager to get to work. I wonder if there's anybody here who's eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people, listen to this, the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. I want to preach a message quickly tonight about setting the stage. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the work that you are doing. I thank you for the people of God that are here, hungry to hear from your word tonight. I'm praying, God, that you would give us vision to build your house. Lord, to be a light that shines into this community. God, that you would give us the vision of who you've called us to be. God, I pray that each person here would find their place in your will and in your purpose. I pray that you would give us a heart to labor, a heart to work, a heart to give, a heart to be those disciple makers and soul winners that you've called us to be. I'm praying, God, that you would help us to see all that you're going to do. Give us a a glimpse, even tonight. We thank you for all all that you've done in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Setting the stage. I believe tonight that God is a God who moves when there is a stage that is built for him. We see so many uh, examples of this in the Old Testament. Uh, But the scripture that we read comes, obviously, again, as God has delivered his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. And it's interesting to me here that God is giving Moses instructions on how to build the tabernacle, how to build this meeting place, who is going to be used, what materials are going to be used. And the question that you must ponder tonight is why? Why is it that God in heaven, the God of the universe, the God of creation, wants them to build a tent? I mean, couldn't God just manifest his presence on top of a rock somewhere? Couldn't God meet with his people individually one by one? Of course he can, and of course he does from time to time. But it's interesting to me that God decided to give Moses the instructions to build this tabernacle. Why? Eventually, we know God spoke, and, uh, and David began to put together the materials and, and then uh, begin to build not just a tabernacle, but a temple, a temple for the people of God. 
We know that the temple system of rituals and sacrifices, that that was a system of the Old Testament, and all of those sacrifices were fulfilled in the ultimate sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then he told his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem because I'm starting something new. It's called the church. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit if this church is going to do anything. And he said, you wait here in in Jerusalem, and the day of Pentecost comes, and that was the beginning of the church. And 2,000 years later, we are still part of that church. But it's interesting to me still that Jesus said that I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is the church? The church is the earthly representation of the body of Christ. And God still wants people who are going to represent him on the earth today. Now, I understand that a church is not a building. We know that if this building collapsed tonight, that the church would remain because the church is us. The church is the people who are sitting in the chairs We also understand tonight that the church, if it's going to go forward, if it's going to advance, that sometimes there is uh, necessary to do some work and to give some money. The reason for that tonight is that God waits for a stage to be set. Think about this. God moved on the altars that were built for him. If you read, read in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Genesis, Exodus, some, many of the prophets. It talks about how uh, these Old Testament saints would build an altar. Genesis 8, verse 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Did you notice that God did not build the altar for him? Did you notice that, uh, that nobody else built that altar? How about Genesis 22, 9? They came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order. He put his son on the altar upon the wood. Genesis 35, 3, let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar to God. Exodus 17, 15, Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. How about, how about the prophet Elijah as he confronted the 400 evil, wicked prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel? And the Bible said that he made an altar to the Lord. And it was on that altar he poured the water. He laid the sacrifice. And it was there that God manifested his presence with fire. Right? Let me ask you. Would that presence, would that glory, would that victory have happened without the altar that was built by Elijah? It would not. And so what we see from these examples is that when God moves, God always moves in cooperation with people who have faith. God always moves in cooperation with people who have faith. Now I know that sometimes God does miraculous things all on his own. And he has the right to do that. Sometimes he, he, he will. Sometimes places, I've heard amazing stories and testimonies of Muslim nations where there are no Christians, where there are no churches, and God will do that. He'll manifest himself in the presence of an angel or in a spoken, audible voice and speak to people and tell them, I am Jesus. 
I've heard some things like that. But those are very, very rare cases in the case where the church has not been able to penetrate. Most of the time when God moves, God moves in response to somebody setting a stage for him. When you set the stage for God, then God is able to do something great. It's an incredible, incredible revelation tonight. And I want to encourage you that we can be the ones who set the stage. This is what it says in our scripture, verse 1. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. In other words, tonight, this was God's idea. God is the one who sets the plan in motion. I believe tonight uh, that, that, uh, that God has set a plan in motion for this church. We've been here in Virginia Beach for 25 years, and God has done countless amazing miracles and testimonies, and many of them are sitting in this audience here tonight. You are the miracle that God is doing in the earth today. But I believe also tonight that it is, it is God's uh, plan and God moving that just as we begin to think about and consider our options, uh, we've been talking for the last few months about possibly making a move, and how is it that, uh, that right across the street, <laughs> a perfect building and a perfect uh, property opens up, something that's owned by the city, something that's been around for a long time, and something that would do so well for us. I, you know, I can't help but think, God, is this you? And I cannot, uh, you know, nail it down with 100% certainty, but listen, I know that God moves. And I know that if there are going to be a people who will set a stage for him, the miracles that God can do. So what we need tonight is we need some stage builders. Verse 1 of our scripture said, Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. This is a heavenly pattern. God begins the process by asking us to build him a stage. This is not us trying to manipulate God or twist his arm, something like that. This is God who inspires. This is God who has already set us free. He's brought us into his purpose. And now he says, I want to show you something new. Verse 2, so Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and who were eager to get to work. Now, these are two interesting characters in the Scripture, Bezalel especially. His, uh, his goal and his, um, his calling, he was a gifted artisan. He was a man of many talents. We could say he was a jack of all trades. He was uh, skilled in, uh, in putting things together. Uh, his name is interesting, though. If, whenever you see a name that ends with the letters E-L, do you see that, Bezalel? So the, the name of God in Hebrew is actually El. That's one of God's names. So his name together, Bezalel, it means in the shadow or in the protection of God. And this is the man who was called by Moses and called ultimately by God to build the tabernacle. You know who this is? Someone who has been under the protection of God, specially gifted by the Lord, specially, uh, specially put in a position. And I want to tell you about Bezalel, 
who he really is and who he points us to, I believe that Bezalel is a type. He's an illustration for us of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that Bezalel was the master crafter, the organizer, he was the, he was the project manager, he was the job site boss, and he was the one calling the shots, and when somebody didn't know what they were doing, he'd come over and teach them. This is how you do this. Put this together. Tie that. Put that knot. And if somebody was messing around in the corner, he'd be the one to say, hey, what are you doing over here? Get back to work. We're trying to build something for God. Bezalel was skilled and gifted and crafted, and he also was the, the man on the job that everyone was looking to. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit, similarly, is the head builder of the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that just like Bezalel, the Holy Spirit is here guiding us, equipping us, giving us tools and skills to be able to build what? The church of Jesus Christ. And when we get out of line, what does the Holy Spirit do? Hey, come on, get back over here. Get back to work. And when we get lazy, what does the Holy Spirit do? Hey, hey, we've got better things for you to do. Uh, and what does the Holy Spirit do when, when, when there's others who don't know what they're doing or who are confused? It's the Holy Spirit who is the good comforter and who brings us back into usefulness for the kingdom of God. See, tonight, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is in desperate need of laborers. Jesus said that, the, uh, that many are called but few are chosen. He said that the laborers were few. And so I want to tell you tonight what we desperately need is is not the most talented people. It's great to have talented people. We don't need good-looking people, although it's all nice to have good-looking people. Right? People that have a nice smile when visitor walks in the door. You know, we we don't want to have uh, have a jack-o'-lantern standing by the front door. (laughs) But I want to tell you, what we desperately need is is not pretty faces and not super talented folks. What we need is laborers, people who would labor in prayer, people who would labor in the word, people who would labor in evangelism, people who would labor in uh, discipleship and in follow-up, working with people. People who would labor in giving, exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how the kingdom needs laborers. Just as it was in those days, as the tabernacle was coming together, it said that the people were eager. Say eager. They were eager to get to work. Sometimes as a pastor, I feel like I'm trying to pull teeth just to get people to show up just to get people to be in the chair. God, give us men who are eager to work for the kingdom, eager to labor for souls for the sake of eternity. This one is hard to find in our generation. Do you know why? Because people are eager to work for other things. People are eager to work for their own bank accounts. People who are eager to work when it comes to their own home or their front yard or their backyard, or their gaming system, people who are eager to work when it comes to their own bottom line. 
But what we need is someone who's eager to work for the kingdom. People who are willing to take a splinter in the finger every now and then. Some real sawdust in the face. Some real sore muscles as a result of some real labor. The kingdom of God is for workers. Jesus said that he who puts his hand to the plow. I don't know if you knew this, but plowing is hard work. Especially when he was talking about it. Today, you know, it's just John Deere tractors for acres and acres and acres. And it's just the big old fat farmer driving the tractor. Yeah, plowing the field. That's not what plowing was in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, it was a man and a beast and a large piece of iron. He put his hands to the plow, and for hours at a time, he'd be putting his weight onto that plow and turning the earth over in order to make it suitable for the seed. That's labor. That's intense. The sun beating down, the pressure, the blisters on the hands. That's hard work. And Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and, you, and you're looking back, guess what? Not fit for the kingdom. Why do people look back? Look back because of laziness, perhaps because of distraction. We live in a whole church culture today, a church world, who have put the hands to the plow, but looking back. Look at what it says about them in verse 3, that Moses gave them the materials that were donated by the people. So here's what's interesting to me is that, uh, did you ever read the story when they came out of Egypt, that as they were leaving, all of the Egyptians began to give them all of their gold and valuables? Did you ever read that? They were like so excited to get these people out of there that they were like loading all of their donkeys and everything that they had, and they had bags filled with riches. They said, get out of here, and whatever your God wants, you got it. Can I tell you, God equipped these people. God took the riches of Egypt, the riches of the world, and put it into the pockets of those people that he set free. Oh, can I tell you something tonight? We live in the richest generation that has ever lived on the planet, ever, in all of history. That there, are more, there is more in the pockets of people here today in 2019 than there ever has been in, the, in any period in human history. God has gifted and equipped his people and filled our money bags. The problem is that when it comes time to build the tabernacle, there's more than enough to build it. And the problem is that it's still in people's pockets. And Moses, the Bible said, he began to call upon the people. He said, bring, bring your furnishings, bring your gold, bring what we need in order to build the tabernacle. The people of that day, they were so excited that eventually Moses said, stop, we've got too much, we can't take any more. Oh, how I wish I could stand before you today and say, please, you've overwhelmed us. We have far too much for the kingdom. Just chill out a little bit with your giving. Can I tell you, I haven't gotten there yet. He had taken all of these materials, Moses, and took them and put them in the hands of Bezalel, the master artisan. The stage that we're building. 
I believe that we are building stages for God, or we should be, in different aspects tonight. First of all, we're, we can build a physical stage for God. That's what a building project is. It's building a, a, a platform, a stage where God can take over and begin to do something amazing. I believe that when we begin to take steps, God's going to open doors and there's going to be some financial stress that comes as a result. But I want to remind you what we're building. We're building something that God can do a miracle with. In the midst of the physical stages, like building projects, we also are building spiritual stages. Every time we have an event, it's like we're building a stage. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a revival, right? We're going to have a guy from Chandler come in, an experienced preacher of the gospel. And we've already printed all these flyers. We're, we're, we're outreaching. We're inviting people to this. You know what that is? All of that labor? All of that is we're setting up a stage. And then we're going we're gonna to invite the preacher to come, and we're going to say, uh, preacher, evangelist, Dave Johnson, we want you to preach. But ultimately, we're not setting the stage up for him. We're saying, Jesus, this is all going to be for you. We want you to bring people. We want you to save souls. And we want you to do this for your glory. We set up a stage. Every concert scene that we do is the same thing. It's a stage that we set, not for a band, not for a drama, but for the Lord. Think about all the labor that goes into that. Why do we do all those things? So that God can move. In the similar way tonight, we're closing, you are your own stage, every person here. What I want you to catch the vision for is in the same way, let's imagine the scenario, let's picture in our mind for a moment that all of the right doors open at the right time and we're able to move into that building. There'd be a lot of work involved, wouldn't it? I'm sure it's, you know, it's not in, in, uh, in exactly the way that we want to have it to be a nice church building. I'm sure we'd have to build a stage. We'd have to put in some lighting, some sound equipment. We'd probably have to do floors. We'd probably have to do some painting. We'd probably have to put a big sign on the outside so that those 40,000 cars that pass by every day are going to know that the potter's house is in Virginia Beach and on that corner. What I'm saying, though, is that that's a lot of labor. And somebody's going to have to do a lot of labor or pay for a lot of labor. But let me just remind you tonight that you, your life, is also a building project. And there's a lot of work in taking out the old carpet of your soul and replacing it with something that is presentable for the kingdom. Right? The Holy Spirit, the, the Bezalel of our soul is the same one who is reconstructing us. Can you remind yourself that you are a building project tonight? And that the reason that God is building your life is not about you. He's setting up a stage for his glory. Lord, I want my life to reflect your glory. It's in Romans chapter 12. Listen to what it says, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, 
But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. This is what God wants to do with all of us. He wants your life to be a stage that is set up for his glory so that he can do something with your life. And so tonight, whether it is your life, whether it is an event that the church is having, or whether it is indeed a building at 1054 Linhaven Parkway, I believe that God wants, to, God wants to move. And God moves where we set up stages for him. It's hard work. It's expensive. Oh, but it is worth it tonight. And so I'd ask you to bow your head with me as we bring the service to a close and as we consider these things. God is doing a miracle in our midst. You are here tonight on this first night to witness. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.